Hello, and welcome to the Global Retriever Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bavero of Waterstone Labradors in Bernie, Texas. Today, we will have Emily Shuri of Horizon Retrievers, and we'll be talking about dog nutrition, specifically raw feeding and kibble, and really understanding what you're putting in your dog's bowl. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Emily, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the Global Retriever podcast and excited to have you on and have our listeners uh, get some really good information from you. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here and excited to continue our discussion. Yeah, yeah, very good. And uh, yeah, if you would, we kind of just jump right into it. Um, If you can just tell us, uh, our listeners, who you are and what you do and a little bit about your background. So and then we can start there and, and move on to the topics. Awesome. Okay. yeah, Um, I'm Emily Shirey. I live in North Carolina. I am a professional dog trainer. My business is Horizon Retrievers. I train mostly companion gun dogs, um, emphasis on the companion side of things. All my client dogs stay in my house and I do a really obedience heavy program. Um, I do even some just obedience dogs and then I do a very uh, introductory level bird and gun introduction type of gun dog program along with that obedience. Um, I have four dogs. I have two labs, a German short hair pointer and an old pit mix. I am really involved in all gun dog things that I can be. I love to go hunting both upland and waterfowl. I love participating in hunt tests, both retrieving and spaniel. Um, and I'm always doing something with my dogs. So even if I'm not doing something bird dog related, I'm always going to be doing scent work or dock diving or fast cat or taking my dogs kayaking or hiking, those kinds of things. So I am not only a professional dog trainer, but very involved with my own dogs and, um, you know, don't do a whole lot without dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I've I've seen a lot of your uh, posts on Instagram and Facebook and they're always with you and always running around and uh, certainly getting plenty of exercise. That's <laughs> so. for sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't really go many places where I can't bring my dogs. Yeah. Well, that's good. No, I mean, I think that's, you know, for, for these breeds, I mean, they are athletes and you know, they're, they're not designed to sit on the couch. Right. So exactly. Uh, yeah. So no, I think that's great that you do that. And um, you know, it seems like you have a little niche there with the companion Gun dog, right? Versus yeah. like, a, like a big kennel or something like that, where they're getting a lot of very, you know, uh, close attention, being able to be in the house. Because um, I know there's, you know, uh, some people that, you know, they want to send their dog for training, but they're not too keen on having the dog being in a kennel, right? Absolutely. And that's where the idea developed from is I can't imagine my pet dogs who sleep in my bed every single night going and staying at a kennel <laughs> somewhere. So when I got in, <laughs> when I got involved in gun dogs, which I didn't grow up hunting, um, I wasn't really ever interested in hunting until I got my German short hair pointer, my first bird dog. And so I got interested in hunting and everyone was telling me, you know, I was a young woman who had no hunting experience. They're like, you're going to have to send her off. There's no way you're training this dog by yourself. And so, you know, I'm kind of passively looking into 
sending her off and everywhere that she's staying at a kennel. And I'm like, this dog has slept in my bed every single night. There's absolutely no chance I'm sending her to a kennel. Um, so as I got more involved in gun dogs, I realized there's a real need for companion heavy gun dogs. You know, the majority of my clients, they're first and foremost companions. And, you know, a couple times a year they might go hunting, which I think is super great. Any, any hunting is better than none. And I realize that it's not always practical and realistic to get out as much as everyone, you know, wants to, or as much as the dogs would like to. So, you know, having a, a program that's heavy on the companion side of things where that's going to be where the dog is living most of their life, spending most of their time being a companion, I think really offers a unique um, advantage to these gun dog programs where they're not getting that, that same um, application. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, I think that's great. I mean, definitely uh, there's obviously a market for it and um, you know, they, you know, they they are part of the family too, right? So, Absolutely. You know, they're, they're not just, uh, you know, uh, just a hunting dog. And, you know, I would think for most people, right, they're, you know, they, they spend more time there than they would be, would be hunting. So. Absolutely. Know. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, good deal. Good deal. Um, yeah. And like I said, I, I've seen a lot of your stuff out there and, um, you know, a lot of posts on all the things you do. And mm-hmm. one of the things that definitely caught my eye is your attention to the feeding and nutrition, right? So yes, uh-huh. if we, yeah, so if we look at, you know, the, the bird dog as an athlete, like what, what are the, you know, the things that, you know, a human athlete would be and it's nutrition, exercise, and yep. uh, it, it's no different in dogs, right? Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So you can't expect you know, a dog that sits on the couch all day to get out and, and hunt, you know, uh, all day without being tired or, you know, inefficient. And the same thing, if you're putting dog properly, they don't have the, uh, the fuel to, uh, to, to perform when you need them. Absolutely. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, with that said, I've seen a lot of crazy things in polls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh huh. <laughs> and uh, I thought let, let let's let's get her on and and talk about some of this stuff because I know the raw thing is popular. Uh-huh. Um, certainly much more uh, difficult or you know more uh, more to it than pouring you know a, a couple scoops out of a bag of dog food. So, right. Um, definitely. Take, take us take us through that and what you do and and how you kind of you know got there and why you decided to go the raw route. Okay. Um so first and foremost I have to have a uh share a disclaimer that I'm not a vet or a nutritionist. You know, I am just a dog owner and lover. And I got into this because I really love my dogs and I want the best for them. And I've done a ton of research, but that being said, again, I am not a vet or nutritionist. And um, while I think those people offer us a lot of really great information and support, I do think it's really important to do your own research, you know, double check what I'm saying, double check what your vet's saying, do all your own research and come to your own conclusions and, you know, really do what feels right for you and your dog. Um, And that's how I got into raw feeding. So when I brought my short hair home as a puppy, she's six and a half now. And I started feeding her raw at eight weeks old when she came home. She was my first real, like, 
I don't know how you would say it, like real dogs. So, you know, prior to my, the short hair, I had just had rescue dogs or Craigslist dogs, dogs that, you know, ate grocery store kibble, um, you know, that didn't really have a job. They were just pet, pet, pets. And I didn't put a whole lot of effort into those kinds of things. Um, My interest in nutrition really started with horses. So I was a horse person before I was ever a dog person. And I have a degree in animal sciences and took some um, different types of animal nutrition classes and always found those to be the most fascinating. And so in college, um, I really got into equine nutrition and was really learning about balancing minerals and um, actually whole food diets, providing different types of forages that would meet nutritional requirements versus just feeding a lot of grain-heavy diets. Um, then I had a horse that was essentially a diabetic, and you know, then I went down this whole new rabbit hole of nutrition, and that happened around the time that I got my short hair. And so I was really diving into um, equine nutrition and thought, well, you know what, I'm going to get bring this puppy home and I want to do the best I can for her. And so I'd heard of raw diets. I was a little bit skeptical at first. Um, you know, they get a really bad reputation. And a lot of that comes from um, vets, which I don't hold anyone accountable for this, but a lot of people do not feed raw correctly. And so vets have no choice, but to be skeptical or to essentially shame raw diets, because when you don't do it correctly, you can do way more harm than good for sure. If you're not going to take the time to do a raw diet correctly, just feed kibble. It's as simple as that. But if you really want to feed raw correctly, it can be so much more beneficial than kibble. So I started feeding raw to Blitz as a puppy when she came home at eight weeks old. And um, I've I've been really happy with it. So it is very time consuming. It can be very expensive. I'm not going to throw a whole bunch of numbers out because there's so much variation in cost depending on where you're buying food, what you're buying. You know, I buy a ton of things in bulk, which saves me a lot of money. Um, You know, if you buy a 30 pound box of something versus a couple pounds of something, you're definitely going to save money on it. But I also have three giant freezers just for raw. I realize it's not practical for everyone. So cost is going to vary a ton, but you know, we can cover that a little bit later. Um, But when I started with Blitz, it's really, really important that you feed puppies a very strictly balanced diet because they're growing and they're utilizing all these nutrients on a daily basis. And if you are lax or kind of winging it at all, you can really cause some issues with their growth and development. Um, So I diving into raw with a puppy was a little bit overwhelming. Um, But the way I would always recommend doing it is what I did, which is to get an NRC balanced diet. So NRC is National Research Council. They set all of the uh, requirements for nutrients for dogs. So, you know, they'll say, all right, a a dog at this age weighing this much needs to have between this much vitamin A and this much vitamin A. This is the safe level of vitamin A for that dog. So when you use a NRC balanced diet for raw, which kibble is too, um, kibble should all be NRC balanced. Any reputable brand is going to meet the nutritional requirements for the National Research Council. Um, When you feed a raw diet like that, you're much more likely to have a safe diet that is meeting all the nutrient requirements. So things I don't like to see feeding raw, you know, people say they feed raw and they just feed like chicken quarters and green beans and carrots. 
I cannot emphasize this enough. That is extremely harmful. You absolutely cannot feed something like that and assume your dog is getting all the nutrients they need. Um, so finding a, a really good NRC balance raw diet wow. is going to be super important. I use a company called Perfectly Rawsome. Um, and Ronnie is a fantastic person, very well educated and she will make you a recipe for your own dog. So she's very um, involved and ask a lot of questions from everything from what you have access to, to your budget, to what your dog's like, or how much activity are they getting? How old are they? Those kinds of things. And she comes up with this recipe and then it's very easy to follow. So from the time Blitz was a puppy to right now, she's been on these balanced um, recipes from Ronnie. I get two at a time and I rotate between them. So every other day she rotates a recipe. Um, that way there's some variation and they're very easy to follow. So something that Blitz's might look like right now is on every other day, she gets seven ounces of turkey neck. On the days that she doesn't get seven ounces of turkey neck, she gets 19 ounces of chicken wings. Um, on the days that she eats turkey neck, she gets something like 14 ounces of pork. On the days that she eats chicken wings, she gets like five ounces of ground beef. So very easy, straightforward recipes that are essentially foolproof. So there are a variety of ways to feed raw. Um, some of the terms you might hear are like prey model raw diet or barf model. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are some very uh, standard types of raw feeding, but they are not NRC balanced. Those are ratio type diets, meaning you feed 5% liver, 5% secreting organ. But because you are only going based on percentages and not actually what Ronnie does is inputs all these ingredients into a software that spits out different values based on what you entered. So, you know, the nutritional value of tripe is going to be way different than the nutritional value of chicken breast. So she's able to enter in all of these different ingredients and spit out these numbers to make sure everything falls within the NRC requirements. Um, so if you're feeding a ratio diet, you're not going to have that precise information, which might be okay for an older dog that isn't growing. You know, I would feel a lot more comfortable for that, but I would say that's highly unacceptable for a puppy. And by puppy, I mean two years old and younger before growth plates close. The other option to feeding raw would be to buy a pre-made raw, which is essentially like a kibble. It's already balanced. Everything's good to go. They call it complete mix, meaning you don't have to add anything to it. Usually they come in like either patty forms or like five pound chubs, like a big roll of ground beef. And what you would do is thaw it, portion it out depending on how much your dog weighs or how many calories they need. And then you would feed little servings just, you know, kind of like you, how you would make hamburgers. Um, so that's, that's a very safe way to go if you're feeding a reputable brand. Just like Kibble, there are very reputable raw brands, and you will absolutely pay for them. And there are very um, not reputable raw brands, some that I would say might even be worse than feeding Kibble. And um, those are probably still going to be expensive, but definitely not as expensive as the reputable raw brands. Um, yeah, yeah. So the just to... A couple questions first. Yeah. I noticed when you were kind of listing some of the things that you say you feed, mm -hmm. uh, the one thing I did not hear was chicken, like chicken breasts. Like I heard chicken yeah. wings and then turkey necks. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that kind of 
fits with kind of my philosophy in kibble too is like try to avoid the, the chicken I'm, I'm more of a fan of the of the uh the, the red meat you know absolutely uh, for you know uh, fish things like that so uh, yes is there, is there a particular reason that you're avoiding the chicken yeah so i feed chicken bones because those are easily digestible and just so we're clear you can feed specific types of bones to dogs raw but you cannot feed them cooked ever you should never feed them any kind of cooked or dehydrated i know everyone has always heard you can't feed your dog bones it's safe if they are raw and they are appropriate for the dog so chicken wings are appropriate for most dogs depending on size turkey necks are appropriate for almost all dogs Um, chicken necks are appropriate for small dogs chicken backs uh, chicken legs can be temperamental Um, some dogs have a hard time digesting those Uh, chicken feet are great even as a treat buying raw chicken feet are awesome So if you're going to feed bone, it has to be appropriate size for your dog and um, easily digestible. What you don't ever want to feed is um, weight-bearing bones of large animals or really anything from a large animal. Beef bones um, and most pork bones are going to be way too hard to digest for most uh, dogs. Pork feet can sometimes be okay, but I wouldn't feed anything else. Definitely not ribs or um, necks from large animals. Definitely not joint bones. So a lot of people feed soup bones. I would never do that. That is a terrible idea for teeth. Uh, But back to the chicken question. I don't like to feed chicken because it's so high in in the pro-inflammatory omegas. So um, I don't feel like it offers a lot of nutritional value and give it, I always am conscious about inflammation. So feeding chicken, which is high in the inflammatory omegas is not something I'm interested in when I, you know, am making these meals myself and I have total control over them. That's not something I'm going to opt to feed when I have a lot of other options. So I feed a ton of ground beef. I feed a ton of pork from pork loin to pork butt to pork shoulder. I feed a ton of venison that I get from um, hunters. My neighbors are awesome about giving me scraps. And then I feed a lot of random things. So this is really important. When you're using an NRC balanced recipe, you're going to have to feed some random stuff in order to meet different nutritional requirements. Again, you can't just feed chicken quarters and some ground beef and call that a a raw diet. You will be missing a variety of vitamins and minerals. So a big portion of what I feed is tripe, which is um, the stomach from a cow. I feed a lot of organs and liver, which offer a really nutrient dense, um, uh, uh, organs and liver are very nutrient dense. So that's why you almost always will have to include some sort of organ and uh, liver. So all the girls eat liver every day and then some kind of rotating organ between usually spleen or kidney, but also like testicles count as organ. Um, pancreas, brain, all of that counts as organ. And then I feed other random things on occasion to kind of fill in any gaps. So other things I might feed for for one, they eat a lot of heart. They eat some lung. They I'll buy any kind of random meat I can find from these raw feeding co-ops. So like right now, some of them are eating beaver, um, (laughs) you know, like, there are just so many different random things that we can get, you know, fish, obviously there's a big part of that. Eggs is a big part of their diet. 
Um, any time I have access to wild game, I absolutely feed it because I know it's going to be higher quality. So if like duck heads, I feed a lot of duck heads from uh, friends that are hunters, anything I can get my hands on that comes from wild game, I will feed as long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. That's good. So the, you mentioned tripe. Mm-hmm. Um, so tripe is something that I'm pretty familiar with. Um, so uh, my partner and friend in Ireland, uh, Maddie Lambden, he feeds a lot of tripe to his dogs okay. um, and has had great success with it a lot of beef tripe uh-huh. um and he gets the, the the whole bellies which i know <laughs> if anybody's yeah. ever experienced yeah. that is uh <laughs> could uh, could gag a maggot basically <laughs> it's, yes it's, <laughs> it's it is bad for sure and depending on the type you buy it can be it can be hard to stomach i'm not a, a hard to stomach kind of person not much bothers me but it can be bad yeah yeah, but it is um, his dogs have really thrived um, with that. You know, just you know, uh, living to you know older ages and very fit and muscular. Um, you know, not you know sick very often. Um, you know, we, I had when I was over there uh, about a month ago. Now um, we talked about, it and I said, you know, have you know any of your dogs ever gotten like you know cancer or things like that and he's like no no n- never had that and that you know that if you hear that all the time here like dog died at five mm-hmm. cancer died yep. at six right and so you know I, it, it you know I, you know i'm a believer in it it's it's you know obviously not for everybody just because there's just a lot to it and like i said if you're not doing it correctly or just the convenience and you know, uh, for some people, it's just just not in the cards. But um, certainly, I think there's a lot to it that that is beneficial to to the dog and the, the tripe. Um, after we had our conversation, I was able to locate some because I've had a hard time mm-hmm. trying to find tripe here, <laughs> um, and it appears like I now have a a reasonable uh, cost uh, source to it. So I appreciate the, the tip on the, uh, on the raw feeding co-op Super. That, 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 that delivers so, Super. Uh, or, or to an area and I just go pick it up. So, yeah. 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 So tripe is a really, um, nutrient dense protein. It's high in manganese, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's how you say it. Um, yeah, manganese. Yep. which is, uh, not found in a lot of other things from my experience. So a both all my dogs that eat raw get tripe every single day and a good chunk of tripe. Um, Mm -hmm. But that being said, I think, you know, it's in relation to what your friend's doing over there. I think that anytime you have the ability to cut out some kibble and add in whole foods, your dog's absolutely going to benefit from it. So even if you can't stomach tripe, but you can cut out some dog, uh, cut out some kibble and add in some other whole sources of food, such as eggs or fish, or even some, um, proteins like, you know, ground beef or peak sh- pork shoulder. Anytime you have the ability to do that, your dog will absolutely reap the benefits. And with that being said, if you want to do something like that, there's a lot of great information on the Perfectly Rawsome website to add raw to kibble. But in general, you can add up to 20% raw to a kibble diet without having it balanced. So we just talked about how important balance is, but you know, if, if you're feeding 20% less kibble, so I, I base that on calories. So 20% 
of the calories my dog is eating, I would subtract that kibble and add in that amount of raw. So it's very easy to see, you know, how many calories are in the ground beef you buy, adding the 20% back in ground beef one day, adding the 20% back in pork the next day, adding the 20% back in egg the next day. Um, Your dog will absolutely benefit from that. And that is a fairly low cost, low maintenance way to um, add whole foods to your diet and see some really good benefits without, you know, diving into feed a hundred percent raw and the effort and cost of that. Right. So the, let me ask you a question on that is I've, I've heard from, you know, in the past where it's like, Oh, you can't mix kibble and raw. Is that mm-hmm. just a, a myth or? Yeah. So that's actually a really common statement. And in my experience that comes from people who are having some digestive upset which is going to be normal if you have, you know, let's say you have a six-year-old dog who's only eating kibble their whole life and suddenly start feeding it anything else, there's a high chance it's going to have an upset stomach. I start with all my puppies. So right now I have a a lab that's a little over a year old. She eats mostly kibble, three to four cups of kibble a day. And I add in raw as much as I can. It's not every day. So we were traveling the past couple of days and she didn't get any raw. Uh, But the few days before that, she got a ton of raw. Um, And yeah, her poop will be weird on that day. So it's not going to look like a kibble poop because (laughs) she hasn't been eating (laughs) kibble. Um, But I think in general, there's no harm to it. You might have some digestive upset, but nothing like, you know, what we would call cannon butt, which which can come from a variety of things. So like if you feed too much heart, your dog's going to have diarrhea. There's no doubt about it. If you feed too much fat, your dog's going to have diarrhea. Is it really the end of the world other than the fact that you might have a mess to clean up? No, it's not like, you know, you're doing some sort of seriously harmful thing. It's just kind of a mess, obviously. So there's no harm in mixing raw and kibble, but you have to be savvy about the way you do it. And um, I would highly recommend being consistent. So I don't think it's advisable to do what I do with toast, but she has a great um, stomach where a couple of days in a row I'll feed kibble and then a couple of days I'll feed a high portion of balanced raw um, that I wouldn't advise. She tolerates it well, so there's nothing wrong with it. But what I would rather do with her if I was more consistent is I have pre-made raw. I would rather cut, and this is my plan for moving forward, cut a cup of food out of her four cups of kibble that she's getting and feed her pre-made raw on a consistent basis with that kibble. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Okay, good, good. So the other thing that I did not hear is uh, any grains or vegetables. What, what's your thought on, are you doing any of that? And what's your, what's your thought on that? Okay. So vegetables I do feed um, on a mostly daily basis. They're really important for micronutrients. Um, I don't feed a lot of them. So this is important. Again, I'm not feeding a huge chunk of green beans and carrots like I see in so many farmers' dog and that kind of stuff. For one, don't feed legumes. Absolutely, just don't feed them. There's no reason to. They have very low nutrient value. There's some connection to them in DCM. Don't feed legumes. Stop with the green beans. Whatever you do, don't do that. Um, but I do feed a, a vegetables on a regular basis. What's important here is that they're either cooked, preferably like steamed, 
or they have to be pureed. You cannot just buy baby carrots, feed those to your dog, or even, you know, blueberries and stuff. A lot of times they won't digest that and you'll see it come out whole in their poop, especially when you have, you know, bright orange carrots, you're going to see it in their poop. So they're not digesting that. So in a perfect world, I would steam all my vegetables and throw them in my Ninja blender and I feed them like a fourth of a a cup of that a day. And I feed a big variety. So there's a ton of dog safe vegetables, which is very easy to look up. Um, One of my favorite things to do is I save all my scraps from things I eat. So like, let's say I have some asparagus going bad because I am terrible about cooking vegetables for myself before (laughs) it goes bad. But like right when it's at that point where I'm like, "Mm, I'm not going to eat this, but I know it's still okay. I rinse it off and I throw it in the freezer and I throw it in this one big gallon bag. And so let's say I have whole carrots. I'm not going to eat the tops or uh, beets. I use a lot of beets. I cut the skin off and I cut the leaves off. I throw all these carrot scraps, beet scraps, asparagus that's going bad, anything that, you know, is going to go bad. Strawberries. I never eat enough strawberries. I throw them all in this gallon bag. And then on occasion, I thaw out this gallon bag. I mix it with some coconut water. I throw it in my blender and there's my vegetables for my dog. Um, on occasion, you know, when I need to do a big veggie prep, I'll go and specifically buy, buy vegetables. I do a lot of greens. So like spinach or kale or cucumber or zucchini, um, broccoli, cauliflower, a little bit of carrots, you know, they're high in sugar. So I don't do a ton of that. I don't do a ton of fruit. Um, but I do do some fruit, beets, whatever I can find, especially if it's on sale, Brussels sprouts. I have a bag of um, okra in there for the dogs. I will just blend all that stuff up and then give them about a quarter of a cup a day. Um, the other option, which I use a lot because it's convenient is I buy frozen vegetables that have already been cooked and there's no seasoning. So typically you're going to find like the broccoli, cauliflower, carrot mix. I know what, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and anytime I see those little microwavable bags on sale, again, no seasoning or anything, just straight up vegetables, no legumes. So if they've got lima beans or green beans, I don't buy those, that kind. Um, and then if I don't have any veggie mixed up, like I just talked about Um, I will just throw those in the microwave and since they're already cooked, I'll just feed a handful of those on a daily basis. And I try to mix that up again too. There's not as much variety when you do it like that, but that's totally fine. So that's a great way to get micronutrients and, um, uh, fiber especially. So I do think that's an important part of a raw diet. That's part of my recipe too, just so we're clear that that is worked into my NRC balance recipes, vegetables, um, And then grains, I do not feed any of. So we can start this conversation about carbohydrates (laughs) now. Dogs do not have a nutritional requirement for carbohydrates. I mean, it is zero. They can get all of their energy from um, fat. And so they they should be eating a high-protein, high-fat diet, which is what my dogs do. They don't get any carbs. I am not saying that carbs are the enemy, but I'm also saying carbs are the enemy when we're talking about kibble. So I think the the main reason why I avoid kibble is because of the carb content. So if we're saying that dogs don't have a nutritional requirement for carbs, the carbs in kibble are going to be anywhere from about 40 to 70%. So that's a big difference from the natural zero requirement. And in a, in a normal 
wild canine diet. So like if we look at dingoes or something like that, they're going to have about 10% carbs, maybe 15, but a wild ancestral diet will be somewhere around 10 to 15% carbs, which is what my dogs eat based on the carbs coming from the vegetables. So it's very, very low. I think that might, I'd have to double check my recipe be under 10%. Um, so when we're comparing that 10 ish percent to the 30, 40, 70% that's in kibble, all dogs eating kibble are in carb overload. And we should know from human nutrition that, um, carbs are starches that are broken down into sugar and sugar leads to all sorts of health issues from diabetes and heart disease to uh, cancer. So when we're talking about your friend feeding tripe, um, you know, something that I think that immediately came to mind is anytime you're cutting out uh, kibble, you're cutting out excess carbs, excess sugar, you're lowering the inflammation in the body, which is going to reduce your risk of obesity and diabetes and cancer and blood sugar and inflammation and allergies and, you know, immune system problems. Anytime we cut out inflammation, we're going to really benefit the dog. So carbs, carbs are not terrible. You can feed some, um, but in my opinion, they are the enemy when we're talking about kibble because that's where all of the issues with kibble come from. Um, if you want to include carbs in your dog's diet, which might be because your dog is an athlete, which <laughs> my short hair, um, I have a Garmin Alpha, and when we go hunting, she, she'll go anywhere from 15 to 25 miles a day, depending on how long we're out. I mean, she'll cover 17 miles in three hours. Yeah, on I've a... seen her on the, on the video there. <laughs> she, she doesn't seem like she stops. No. So, you know, it's not like I have, you know, this little lab who just goes for a walk around the neighborhood. She is covered. She's an insane athlete. She just went and had an echo done and has athlete's heart because she just does not stop. Um, she eats under 10% carbs. So I do not think carbs are necessary, but you can include them in an athlete's diet. Obviously they will, uh, they add some benefit in that way, but what's important is the type. So something that I'm really big on that I don't hear discussed a lot is glycemic index. And that is really going to come into play when we're talking about carbs. So glycemic index measures how food affects your blood sugar. Um, and we, that's really important, obviously, for heart health, for diabetes, but it can also affect energy and mood. So that when we have these big um, changes in our blood sugar, you know, everyone I feel like would be familiar with that from diabetes, that can affect a lot in our body and in our mind. So keeping the glycemic index low is important for both humans and dogs. And a lot of like meat has a glycemic index of zero. So the glycemic index is going to come into play when we're talking about um, starches and carbs. So for instance, corn, the glycemic index is 52 corn gluten meal, which is in a lot of kibble. The glycemic index is 68 um, sorghum, the glycemic index is 70. So compare that to the glycemic index of meat, which is zero. So anytime we're feeding these really high glycemic index carbs, we're having these big spikes in blood sugar. And, you know, over time, that's absolutely going to lead to health problems. There's no doubt about that. So dogs do not need grains. 
um, for DCM or for any reason, but you, you should absolutely be cautious about the type of green you add if you're going to add green. Um, so something that, or, you know, any kind of carb. So something that I would recommend is if you feel like you need to have more starch in your dog's diet, doing something like butternut squash, which is low glycemic index, even more so than pumpkin. Um, I'm absolutely not a fan of rice. I don't think it's the end of the world, but what I can't stand is seeing people who feed their dog chicken and rice. That is just so, uh, you know, there's so little value in that you're feeding two of the most nutriently poor foods, um, with a high glycemic index. So that's not something I have any interest in. Um, and again, no legumes. Yeah. So I'm not, so back to like the, the, you know, the glycemic index and the sugar spikes, I would, I would imagine, um, you know, health-wise, but also I would think kind of behavior-wise, um, um, you know, there's, there's, a um, like, you know, the ups and downs of the dogs, um, where they're basically, you know, sometimes, you know, going, you know, on a high and then a low, like, you mm-hmm. know, like giving a kid, like giving a kid a bunch of sugar. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think right. about that a lot. And, you know, if, if we're weaning these puppies onto kibble and we're feeding them kibble their whole life, you know, people might say, oh, my dog's behavior is normal or whatever. But do we really know that if, if we have nothing yeah. else to compare it to? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, I, I have noticed, I mean, I will get into here shortly. I switched foods not that long ago and, I did notice um, a, a change in some of the behavior of the dogs. Really? Like they just, yeah, they just seemed more, you know, just a little bit more balanced. Um, That's you know, they super were, cool. Yeah. And, you know, I was feeding, you know, what I thought was a pretty good food, but it had, you know, probably more carbs in it than than I think would be good, right? So, yeah. Um, and, and I, I definitely noticed, and even, you know, I've had like, my mom came over and she's like, well, the dogs are, I mean, they're normally pretty calm, but they're really calm now. Awesome. Like, you know, so, That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, it's the only thing I can, you know, contribute it to, cause it's the only thing that I, that I had changed. So I, you know, yeah, it, it makes, makes it anyway. absolutely makes sense. And it's cool to kind of hear that maybe that is actually, you know, actually happening. Yeah, because I mean, I said you're not getting that sugar kind of high, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and then I mean, you know how you are. Like, you eat a big bowl of pasta. You, you know, do not feel well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know. So yeah, it, it's good. I mean, no doubt. But <laughs> yes, so, uh huh. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So with with that, I think that's kind of a good transition. I'd like to talk a little bit about. Um, carb i mean not carbs uh kibble Mm -hmm. um and some of the you know contents in the kibble of what people are feeding or what maybe they are perceived as a really good thing for their dog based on you know branding or you know things that that we hear kind of out there you know you know science or you know that kind of thing right so um where i think some of it is really just advertising right yeah absolutely that's real big yeah and and things that are on labels that may be a bit deceptive to people where they think they're doing the right thing but they really are not just because how are things are listed on labels yeah okay so let's just kind of run through what i look for in a kibble 
um, to, you know, kind of gauge what I think about it. So for one, we're going to look at the guaranteed analysis, which tells you the percent of um, the macros in it. So percent protein, percent fat, percent carbs. These are important, obviously, because these are going to be the the meat of what we're feeding. And by that, I mean the, the substantial part of what we're feeding and a great place to start. So for one, you could, a lot of kibbles do not list the carb content on the bag. And um, <laughs> I feel like that's for good reason a lot of times, but you can easily calculate it. So in order to calculate the carb content, you add up the percent protein, fat, fiber, moisture, and ash. So you add those five things up and then you subtract that from 100 and that's the carbohydrate content. If you do not have the so protein, fat, fiber, and moisture will absolutely be listed on the guaranteed analysis. If you don't know the percent ash, you can generally use 8%, and that should be somewhere in the ballpark. Again, add those up, subtract it from 100, that's your carbohydrate content. So what we're looking for in kibble is a substantial amount of protein and fat and very little carbs. With puppies, we want to be careful to not feed too much protein. Um, don't quote me on this, but I believe that... You're not supposed to feed maybe more than 30% protein to puppies, so keep that in mind. Um, but when I'm feeding my adults, I want a high percent protein and fat because obviously the higher those things are, the lower my carb content is going to be. So that's really important for me. That's the first thing I look at. The majority of our performance type kibbles for athletes are going to be 30% protein, 20% fat. That's a great place to start. Anything lower than that, I would say would be cause for concern because you're going to have a lot higher carbs, but 30% protein, 20% fat is pretty standard. And that's a great place to start. Once okay. I see those things that I'm going to check out my ingredients, um, there's a lot we can tell by the ingredients for one. Um, the ingredients are listed in order of weight with moisture. So that's important. It's not a dry matter basis. They're on an as fed basis. So the first ingredient is always going to be the heaviest, but it includes moisture, so keep that in mind. And the last ingredient is going to be the lightest. So when we're trying to figure out what is in this kibble, we can look at the first, you know, 10 or so ingredients. It does not help you to just look at the first one ingredient or the first three ingredients. You need to look at the first, you know, at least 10 or so to get a good idea of what's going on in that kibble. We want there to be meat. Because dogs are carnivores, they need meat, they should be eating meat, they should keep, be keeping their carbohydrate content low. So we really need there to be a lot of meat in those first ingredients. You're going to see different types of meat and what how those look on the ingredients label is going to tell you a lot. So if the first ingredient is chicken, that's, you know, not terrible. It's not something I would feed, but you have to keep in mind that chicken, just chicken as the first ingredient is going to include moisture. So when they bake that kibble, you know, in order to get it in that nice little ball shape, all of that moisture is going to come out and you're going to be left with very little actual chicken compared to that moisture. Um, so if we see the first ingredient is chicken meal, then we know there's a substantially more amount of chicken because that chicken meal is a dry product. When it's cooked, no moisture will escape and it will still maintain that weight. So <clears throat> chicken meal doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. 
because you can have low quality chicken meal. But keep that in mind, if the first ingredient is chicken and the next nine ingredients are grains, that means that that kibble has a very low amount of meat in it. Um, you'll also see some little deceptive tricks like what they call ingredient splitting. So if you see corn and then you see corn gluten meal, those are both <laughs> corn products, but the companies can get away by with adding more corn, which is a very low quality, cheap filler, absolutely pointless ingredient. In my opinion, I'm, I have very big feelings about corn. Um, companies can get away with adding more corn by dividing up the type. So, because if they were to include corn without corn gluten meal and just include all corn, corn might be the first ingredient. But if they split it up between corn and corn gluten meal, then each of those weigh significantly less Then they can have something like chicken be the first ingredient because they know consumers are going to be looking for that. So Mm -hmm. keep an eye out for ingredient splitting and keep an eye out for type of ingredients. Again, quality here is really big for me. I'm really interested in biological values. So foods that are going to be really easy for a dog to digest and get the most nutrients out of them. So again, corn is Corn is just a hard pass for me because it's not a quality ingredient. I know kibble companies are adding it as a way to boost protein, but keep their costs low. Um, So, you know, if you see a kibble that has a lot of corn in it and it's 30% protein, you can almost bet that that all that protein, that 30% protein isn't coming from meat. If there's a bunch of corn in it, a lot of that protein is going to be coming from corn, which it's great that there's that much protein, but the the nutrients that the dog is absorbing from that corn versus if it was 30% protein with mostly something like beef is going to be completely different. And that's where we kind of deal with things like DCM, which I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole, but that can certainly lead to problems. So we want to have that percent protein come from meat sources, which are going to be the highest um, amino acids that that dogs require. So meat is going to be the most biologically available. It's going to have the most nutrients. It's going to have the amino acids our dogs need. So those are going to be the things that we're going to be looking for. And again, another thing I'm looking for in the ingredients as far as quality and type is all corn is, or, or sorry, all kibble is going to have starch in it because that's what binds the kibble together. You cannot just put meat and shape it into a little ball and have it stay like that. So you're going to have starch. So where is that starch coming from and what is the glycemic index of it? How many starch, starchy ingredients are there? So those are things I look for as far as ingredients. Yeah, so good transition to um, some research uh, that I've been doing. So I'm looking at, I pulled a couple of ingredients off of two very popular dog food brands marketed to sporting dogs okay okay both 30 20 okay um first one first ingredient says chicken second one is corn second ingredient corn gluten meal okay second uh, the third is rice um and then uh fourth is poultry byproduct meal and next one is whole grain corn (laughs) (laughs) lots of corn (laughs) yeah lots of corn right and rice so we have the the poultry byproduct meal and the chicken. Yep. Um, then the other one where I think it's even probably worse is the first ingredient is chicken byproduct meal. Okay. 
Uh, next is corn. Next is brewer's rice, chicken fat, and then wean, wheat gluten meal. Okay. So again, loaded with carbs. Yep, loaded with carbs and inflammation. Every every ingredient on both of those is going to be very high inflammation. And again, inflammation is what leads to cancer. Um, so you know, if we can ease, you can Google glycemic index for any of those ingredients and it's out of zero to 100. Obviously the higher it is, the worse it is. Uh, corn gluten meal, 68, rice, 66, corn, 52. Um, and again, both of those products have, or the first product has chicken, but it's going to be on a, uh, as fed basis. So by the time you dehydrate that chicken in the cooking process, it's the first ingredient would be then corn gluten meal. I think that was the second one. Um, so the majority of that kibble is going to be the second ingredient, which is corn gluten meal, because there's no moisture lost out of that corn gluten meal. Um, and the other one, we've got chicken byproduct and that's not immediately a red flag for me. Byproduct means the things that we aren't going to consume. So, you know, what that might mean is, you know, the heads or it could mean liver, it could mean heart, just things that, you know, the humans aren't, it's not going to be chicken wings and chicken breast. Um, that doesn't necessarily make it terrible because, you know, liver is a very uh, solid source of nutrients, but chicken and kibble is uh, immediately a red flag for me because it's going to be low quality. Meaning this is not some pasture raised, healthy, super well-fed chicken that's going into kibble. It's going to be the cheapest of the cheap chicken going into the majority of kibbles. And so byproducts for a chicken um, are probably going to be really low quality ingredients that aren't going to be super nutrient dense. So the byproduct alone isn't alarming to me, but you know, the fact that it's kibble and that is the first ingredient that wouldn't be a kibble I would ever choose to feed. Yeah. And it, like I said, that both of these are without saying their name, people know them because they're marketed highly to the sporting dog yep. world mm-hmm. and I'm sure. fed by a lot of big kennels yeah. and, and, and all that for, yeah, for various let's, reasons. Let's take a minute to talk about that. Cause I hear this a lot. My vet, my trainer, my breeder all said feed you know, pro plan. Um, yep. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not, I'm personally not a Purina fan because of Mars. I don't think Mars is a reputable company. Purina has a lot of sketchy things in my opinion. You know, if you ask them for certain things, we're going to talk about this, I'm sure eventually, but if you ask them for the percent protein from me in any of their kibble, they will tell you it's proprietary information, um, which is just bogus to me because a lot of, a lot of kibbles list that straight on their website. Um, so it's a, it's a kind of a sketchy company. And I, I only mention that not to, you know, throw shade or anything, but just as a, Hey, do your own research. <laughs> so, you know, ask questions. And if you're not getting good answers, that's a red flag. Um, but you know, when we have vets and breeders and trainers all saying feed this for one, especially when it comes to trainers, trainers are not going to be feeding the most expensive product to their client dogs. I can tell you that right now. I'm one of them. You cannot feed, you know, that Akina, you feed $120 for a 24 pound bag. No trainer would be able to afford to feed that to a large amount of client dogs. So what they're looking for is a kibble that's going to do well enough for the time that the dog is with them. Um, so that to me is different and a hundred percent fine. I have no problem with that than me feeding what I want to my own personal one dog. You know, there's, there's going to be a big difference there. 
Um, vets obviously are important to listen to, and I have nothing against vets, but at the same time, vets are not nutritionists. I cannot emphasize that enough. Vets are, you know, our GPs. They are not the person we go to when we need nutrition help. You should absolutely be discussing nutrition things with a nutritionist. Um, and I hate to say this, but, you know, there are some kickbacks and different types of things that are involved. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot more to it than just, oh, my vet said this, so it must be true. I should do that. In my opinion, you shouldn't do that for anything, you know, regardless of whether we're talking kibble or, you know, multiple opinions, doing your own research is always a good thing. Um, Obviously you need to trust the professionals that are around you, but I don't like to blindly follow anything like that. Well, this person said it, so it must be true. Um, That's, that's kind of not a a good way to live if you're looking for getting the most out of things. Um, And then, you know, breeders are not nutritionists either. I know a ton of breeders who feed some incredibly sketchy things, things that I cannot believe dogs are surviving on. Um, And it's just wild. Like that is not a point of reference. You, You know, I think it's great if we have these reputable breeders that we can trust, but at the same point in time, you know, I, I've heard from one short hair breeder that was telling someone to feed their dog only tripe until they're six months old. And I, it blew my mind because that is so incredibly dangerous and absolutely the biggest no, no, even though tripe is good, you cannot only feed tripe. Um, so at the end of the day, I wouldn't take one person's opinion. Don't even take mine, do your own research and don't just go, well, this person said to feed this, that must mean it's fine. And that being said, you know, back to the popular brands, I saw this post today and I thought it was so relevant. Just because dogs live long lives on a kibble does not mean it is a a healthy life. So there's a difference between living a really long, healthy life. There's a difference between living a short, healthy life. And there's a difference between living a long, not healthy life. So just because they live a long time doesn't mean that they've been well that whole time. Um, So you know, people say, well, I don't have any issues with it, but that also doesn't mean you're doing the best you can. There are plenty of people I see that, you know, live on McDonald's and pizza and everything else, and they still live a long, relatively healthy life, but are they living their best life? Probably not. Imagine how much better they would feel if they were eating whole foods um, and reducing the amount of uh, inflammatory foods that they were eating. They could feel like a totally different person, but just because they don't outwardly look sick doesn't mean that inside they're doing the best they can yeah no i think that's that's i was actually gonna say same thing about the mcdonald's like you could you could live on mcdonald's yeah exactly (laughs) and uh, you know outwardly appear probably fine um yeah (laughs) yeah so it's you know it it, it's all of it i mean there's just so much and there's so much information and and you know it's one of the things i know kind of keeps me up sometimes like you know (laughs) wake up at three in the morning and i'm I'm looking at you know ingredients on dog food labels i can totally relate am i I crazy but i'm sure there's more (laughs) of us like this out here right that that do it so yeah so that's where it kind of led me to what food um um you know it is you know, should we be feeding? So my uh, friend here, Chris Boland at uh, Paragon Retrievers, uh, tipped me on to the origin food. Mm-hmm. Um, so started doing a bunch of research on that and said, wow, there's a there's a big difference in this label versus, you know, big ProPlan difference. or Yukonuba. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I looked at the price tag and went, oh, like that's, yes. that's a lot. But you do 
you do feed a little bit less just based on the the, the protein content and and what they recommend and, and there's this, just is it relatively so, high calorie it looks like there's 460 and the majority of kibble are going to be around 400 yeah yep and um you know it's got a 30 i believe it's a 38 percent um protein but if uh-huh. you read the if, if you read the bag like the the ingredients are beef wild boar lamb beef liver pork um there's uh there's uh herring in there um manhattan there's all kinds of you know it it, it takes a long time to get to any kind of carb yep. um and then when you get to the carb like it's quinoa there's squash there's pumpkin there's apples pears kelp uh things like that so um, you know, if, if that was my diet, right. It'd be like, well, that's, that's a pretty good diet, right? Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not pouring myself, you know, a bowl of corn gluten meal, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, so. so, um, origin has regional red and then it has, is that, that's different from the regional red, amazing grains. So I yeah, want so what they that yeah, kind so of was confusing. Done. And I wanted to yeah. point that out because the regional red has legumes in it. And Correct. legumes have may or may not be related to DCM. So Origin kind of got some flack when DCM was going around because dogs were presenting with DCM from eating Origin. And so when you originally told me that you were feeding it, you know, I was a little bit skeptical. Um, and if you look at the Origin Regional Red, it has legumes in it. But then if you look at the Origin Regional Red Amazing Grains, there aren't. So I would absolutely avoid the normal one. And definitely 100%, I would feel good about feeding the Amazing Grains ones. Because rather than the, the lentils, there's whole oats, which is fantastic. Ground flaxseed quinoa those are great sources of low glycemic index um carbohydrates so really i love this food for having a variety of really quality um meat proteins so beef wild boar lamb beef liver pork beef meal mackerel meal herring meal not only are you getting some really good quality with you know the beef and the pig and the lamb and the liver good quality nutrients, but you're also getting a whole bunch of it. So you can see here right on the website, it says 90% premium animal ingredients. So very low, not animal ingredients, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Yep. And I, uh, the amazing grains, that's where I, that's how I ended up there. It was like, okay, I don't have to feed, even though, you know, those studies, you know, I don't know, but I just said, let's just avoid it. They have yep. an option. A hundred percent. These are good options. So I do the regional red, uh, amazing grains and the six fish and I mix them. Awesome. And, and I, it's been good. Like they, you know, there's good stools, good coats, um, you know, just overall, I think they, they've been, it, it's been a good, good combo. Um, I may, I think I'm going to try to put some of the tripe in there just to, you know, have that in there. Cause I think that's just like one of the good superfoods that you yeah, can kind of mix, mix in. And I think that's a good balance for me with, you know, the amount of dogs that I have. Um, and then if you travel, um, you can mix it up and all that. But like yep, I said, definitely. the cost is, is, you know, it's a hundred dollars for, I buy it from a, 
uh, a feed store like co-op and I pay right at about a hundred dollars. Um, you know, origin, they don't, they don't give, there's no kennel program. Right. right. So they're, I'm, they're not paying me to say this, this is just where I, you know, ended up of researching hundreds of kibble uh-huh. to say, what can I, what can I feed? Um, they do give you, I think if you buy 10, uh, they give you the 11th bag free is just kind of a, you know, that's the store that you buy it from. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, you're about 90 bucks a bag. Um, but you, but compared to some of the other kibble, you know, like one of, one of my dogs there, Scout, he was eating six cups of the other kibble uh-huh. and I'm at, uh, let's see about three to four. So, so, you know, so it, yeah. it cuts down, you know, some of the cost. Um, but I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, healthier, better, you know, less yeah, bills, definitely one of, of one of the better foods I've seen. Um, just, you know, it's $122 for the regional amazing grains on um, Am- uh, Chewy, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> other kibbles that I really like are Nature's Logic is my go to. It's also kind of around the same price point as what you're spending a hundred dollars for like a 24 pound bag uh i like nature's logic because it's a lot for a lot of the same reasons it's high quality um a lot of meat very little non-meat products but the one thing i do like about it too it's all whole foods so there's no synthetic ingredients and that's important because synthetic ingredients are not always bioavailable Meaning if you feed a type of vitamin E that your dog does not digest, you could feed 10,000 IUs and your dog still be vitamin E deficient if your dog cannot absorb that. Um, So synthetic ingredients are sketchy in that regard because we don't always know how much the dogs are actually absorbing. And the same thing goes for humans. If you can get your nutrients from whole foods, we're always going to digest those better. Um, so that's why I like Nature's Logic, but I also wanted to mention that because there are some raw, pre-made raw companies out there that essentially are just using a little bit of raw and adding a ton of synthetic ingredients and charging an arm and a leg for it. And that's just so silly to me because you're really not getting the benefits of feeding whole foods when you're just feeding some, you know, ground beef or ground turkey with a bunch of synthetic vitamins. So keep that in mind, just because it's raw, if you're, if you're not seeing a lot of whole foods and a lot of quality ingredients, and that doesn't mean it's a better option than kibble. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's like, like anything, right. You know, there's there's a lot of options and, you know, some things may appear that they're the same and they're really not. (laughs) Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So, but, uh, well, that's good. Like, so, um, I think that was a lot of information, um, a lot of good information and, you know, we're just about an hour here. So, um, I, I think, you know, I think for this kind of episode, um, I, I think that that would be a, a good stopping point for yeah. us. Um, Sounds like a great place to wrap it up. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind, just um, if anyone has questions or, you know, uh, is interested in what you do or your services, what, what's the best way to contact you? That's a great question. Um, you can email me. It's going to be horizonretrievers at gmail.com. I'm always happy to help. Um, especially if I don't know something, I can certainly send you in the right direction of who to ask. So definitely feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to talk about food or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
No, good. I uh, I definitely appreciate it, and I appreciate the uh, the resource you've been and um, the stuff that I've asked you. And um, hopefully, we can uh, we can talk soon. Yeah, that sounds great. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on. Yep. Thanks, Emily. Have a great day. You too. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to thank our sponsor, Huntmark, the makers of fine dog training equipment. Visit them at huntmark.com. Train with Huntmark.